This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from, with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hi everyone, today's episode is about reparenting and inner child work, but before we jump into that, if you follow us on Instagram, you may have heard that Emily and I had the opportunity to get the first of our COVID vaccine shots this week, um, and we've had a lot of questions about how we were how we were able to get it. Uh, because we're health practitioners in Chester County and we're not affiliated with a hospital, we were able to apply and our practice was approved, um, and we know that there's a ton of misinformation about it, so we wanted to just let all of you know our experience. Um, we both felt the shot wasn't too painful. Uh, we then waited 15 minutes with no symptoms and headed home. The next day, Emily had a slight fever. I was pretty tired, but nothing too extreme, and I'm usually pretty tired, so I don't even know if that was from the vaccine. Um, our arms definitely hurt uh, the next two days, but day three, we were symptom-free. We will update you all in three weeks when we get our second shot. And here is today's episode with Kind Minds Therapy. Hope you enjoy. We want to welcome our amazing guests today, Ali Finkel and Sarah Ruffay. Hello, ladies. It's so good to see you. Hi, um, we're so excited to be here. Yes. So Ali and Sarah are co-founders of Kind Minds Therapy. They're both licensed clinical social workers and all around incredible humans. We are so excited to have them with us today to talk about inner child and reparenting work. 
thank you guys so much for joining us. We're so excited. Now you're going to have to tell everyone who's Allie and who's Sarah. And now everyone's going to know, hi guys, it's Emily, but you can't tell because I sound this fucking bad today. (laughs) I have no reason why I am fine. I I do not have, I don't have COVID. I, (laughs) this is just what I I sound like now. I keep telling, and we keep talking about how Emily should just not speak, but it's just not possible at this point. Have I ever been able to not shut the fuck up? I literally don't think it's possible. If there's one episode, it'll be this one. I'll be a talk a little bit less. Well, also, I was thinking maybe like your voice will like come down to my voice at this point, right? Like that maybe they'll be on just like similar wavelengths now. <laughs> we so, got there's a lot happening. <laughs> so much happening. So, so Allie and Sarah, can you guys tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and how Kind Minds Therapy came to be? Sure. So um, this is Allie. You can recognize me because most people tell me I sound like a cartoon character. Um, <laughs> so the, the froggy voice is mine. Um, so we actually met at the hospital that we still currently work at. Um, and we became fast friends and just really resonated with each other. And then um, early last year, we decided that we wanted to launch um, a private practice and reach more people than we were reaching in our current roles. And Kind Minds was born and we had the, the wild timing of launching it right as the pandemic was starting, which um, seems to be good timing since so many people are struggling and need some extra support these days. Um, but a little about my background. So, um, I am a licensed clinical social worker. I'm also, um, a licensed elementary school teacher, which is what I did before I, um, went back to a grad school and, um, I'm trained in child and family therapy. Um, and so a lot of the work that I do with kids and with parents helps inform the work that I do with adults um, because we see how patterns are established in childhood and how that impacts how we speak to ourselves and how we interact with the world when we're adults. Wow, which really sets the stage for doing some inner child work. What a good segue. But first, Sarah, tell us a little bit about you too. Yes, um, I'm Sarah. I am looking for something a little more distinct in my voice, but <laughs> I don't have it yet. Um, but yeah, as Ali said, we met working in the hospital. Um, my background is in child development and psychology, and I'm also a licensed clinical social worker. I started my career many years ago as a certified child life specialist, um, focusing on working with kids in a hospital and helping them cope with either catastrophic or chronic illness through the use of play therapy, art therapy, and different therapeutic modalities. Um, And from there, kind of moved through social work. And here we are today. Um, And similar to Ali, you know, our background is in child and family therapy. Um, And for a lot of my work really focuses on figuring out what um, skills and tools people adapt to that help them process their emotions. So using really my foundation and foundation as a child life specialist, whether it's through art therapy, um, write journaling, um, play therapy, you know, kind of everybody has that inner child of something that speaks to them, that resonates with them, um, that then can help them process their feelings as an adult. So kind of using um, the two skill sets in one. I love that. Did Were you both like pulled towards working with children? 
Yeah, you know, I would say for me, I grew up with a parent who had a chronic illness. So I always really was interested in working with children and helping kids understand the hospital experience and chronic illness and grief and loss um, from an early age. And, um, you know, kids are so insanely resilient that I think as a parent, uh, not as a parent, I'm not a parent, as an adult, um, <laughs> kind of doing my own work and what we're going to talk about today and reparenting an inner child. Um, I learned how much of growing up as a kid, how important that is to inform how we are as adults. Well, it's such an interesting topic to think about True, Like, you know, young children that have chronic illness or catastrophic illness or struggling in hospital often are parentified, often have to grow up earlier mm -hmm. than they are. So brings up, okay, I feel like inner child and reparenting work are like really fucking hot right now because, you know, like the Instagram gurus and all the other shits. But the reality is, is these terms are some therapeutic jargon. So let's like sort of break them down and explain in maybe a more accessible way to our listeners who might not be familiar. What the heck are these things? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think so. Reparenting is basically the act of giving yourself what you didn't have as a child. And I think a lot of times, like in our practice, what we see and what we hear from clients is people always assume to do reparenting or inner child work, you have had to have had a fucked up childhood or um, parents that weren't supportive or loving. And those are not true, right? Like you can have had a wonderful childhood with supportive, loving parents, but still didn't get your needs met for one reason or another. And our work is really not to figure out why those needs weren't met as much as like, what is that need that wasn't met? And how do we figure out for ourselves how to meet it now as an adult? And that's kind of the basis around reparenting. I and love, go ahead, go ahead, Allie. Well, I, I think that um, that is at the core of it um, is understanding that we all have different parts that make us whole and we all have different voices and um and that idea that um you know we didn't have to be quote unquote traumatized um we didn't have to face crazy adversity to then have maladaptive patterns or circuits um that that kind of interfere with our ability to live um i'll, I'll just be cliche here our best lives um in in our adulthood. And um, so like coming to terms with that is such an essential part. Um, and understanding that, you know, I, I think when I first heard the term inner child in my own personal um, work, I was like, ugh, get me away from this, which actually, um, I think, informed a lot of the therapeutic work. Like, why did I have such an aversion to that terminology? Um, and, and those things, are really important also it's not just like the content it's the process of how you're doing all of this work and what you're noticing um but we do all have these old parts um and these old parts come to the surface and they might show up and we don't really know what they are they're like this vague like horrible feeling that we don't feel like we can tolerate and then the the work of reparenting is really recognizing that, not judging it, and being able to say, okay, I'm going to figure out what this old part needs from me. It's begging for something. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing, 
<laughs> it's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on the accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Absolutely. And I really love what you're both saying about, you know, to recognize the things that we needed when we were children that maybe we didn't receive from our parents isn't a betrayal of our parents. I think people have a really hard time admitting that there were things that maybe they didn't receive that they needed because it feels very much like a betrayal of their parents. But, you know, our parents do the best that they can, but oftentimes they were also parented in a way where they didn't receive what they needed. And so with that kind of intergenerational transmission process, those things get get passed down. And so I really like what you're saying to be able to say, listen, your parents did the best they can, they could do at the time, but it's okay to admit that there were still some things that you maybe needed growing up that you weren't able to receive for multiple reasons. Um, Cause I'm sure, you know, that ends up being a, a big piece of it is that once mm-hmm. you're able to say that, then you can do a lot of this, this work. And so how um, we had some great listener questions and I want to dive into them because I think that they um, they're just a good segue and, and so important. And there's a million of them. So <laughs> first question is how, so how do you identify what needs, reparenting? 
So um, I, such a good question. Um, I, I think that the easiest place to start is by looking at your most intense triggers. So what makes you react in a really visceral way? Um, think about times that you react to another person so strongly, like completely um, involuntarily that you're like, why am I acting like this? That is often a sign of something that was extremely shut down in childhood or that you might have needed something that you didn't get. And so now we're falling into old patterns. We're repeating old patterns because something in us is saying this isn't safe um, and our fight flight freeze is turning on and we're not able to access that higher order thinking. Our right brain, which is the emotional side of the brain is completely disconnected from the logical higher order thinking side. Um, and we often try and respond to emotions with logic, which doesn't work. Um, so I think that starting with the, with the things that really make you um, feel that intense, oh my gosh, I need this feeling to go away starting by noticing what is happening there can be a really, really good jumping off point um, and a good signal that um, something old is coming up, even though it feels like it's happening in the present. And that old part that's being brought online is, is really some sort of little version of you that is trying to get soothing. Mm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's so interesting too, that in a situation, you could have two people who are in the same situation, experiencing the same things and two different things are being triggered. Right. So that's, it sounds like a lot of what you're speaking to is like, what's the trigger that comes up for you, right? Like one person could be in a situation and they could feel this strong sense of rejection where another person might feel this strong sense of abandonment where another person might feel nothing at all. Right. So like to really recognize what specifically is your trigger that's coming up for you. Well, and I loved it. And you guys yeah. just did a great self-example of even this word can be triggering, right? When, when mm -hmm. a therapist says to you, well, what would it be like to think about yourself as a child? What's it like to think about that, you know, eight-year-old version of you that didn't get your needs met? It's really easy for us to be like, what? Like, oh, typical fucking psychobabble bullshit. But like, if you have that big of a reaction, there's probably a good chance <laughs> you're not super compassionate to your younger and inner child self. Totally. Yeah. So, so how, so once you figure out what that trigger is, here's another question is where do you even begin once you, once you figure that out, um, on that issue you need to rework? Like, how do you start? Where do you begin with that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, this work, as we were talking about, it's so vulnerable, right? Cause it, I think it, it takes a long time to even know that where you, where to begin and what to do. And we really recommend this work. Um, it's so important that it should be done with a therapist that's trained in this, right? In the space, because not only um, is a therapist to train you through those, those moments or those triggers and talk about it, but someone to hold the space, right? Like a lot of what we do as therapists is bear witness. And I think that's so powerful and so important um, to talk about. And I think that 
so many things come up when we do reparenting, right? Like you, as you mentioned earlier, it's just like you, it's a really vulnerable conversation. People become very defensive um, and very protective about their childhood. And we have so many clients, um, Allie and I talk about all the time that are like, we'll start doing the work and all of a sudden they'll interrupt and be like, no, no, no. I just want to make sure like my mom loved me. And it's like, no, I hear you. And that's true. But if she does really love you, but at the same time, she might not have met the need that you had because of what you said earlier, that for some reason or another, it's a generational pattern, right? Like they do the best they can with what they are taught and how they learn. Um, so what, what happens in this work that is really important, if, if you're able to see a therapist through it, is, you know, grief comes up, things that people don't expect, like grief about what you then wish your childhood looked like or what you wish the need was that you had. Um, the other way is to start gently noticing the triggers, right? Like gently, like not changing it, but notice like what comes up for you when you're feeling trigger, where do you feel it in your body? What are thoughts that come up? Um, something we do a lot, um, with our clients is writing a letter. I love a letter, a letter to write to a parent that you never intend to send, but that expresses your experience of your childhood, right? Because no one can tell you it's wrong if that's how you experience it. So writing the letter of something that either you remember, somehow you wish you were supported by something that you didn't feel you were supported best, you could have been supported better by, or um, what was a need you wish that they met. And I think then reading that letter in a therapeutic space and having someone hold that can be extremely empowering. And, and so powerful for you because it's someone is hearing and bearing witness and knowing your truth. Right. And like validating your experience. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned how, you know, no one can tell you that that wasn't your experience. Mm-hmm. And I think I hear this a lot too, that people will look to siblings, right. To mm-hmm. almost validate their experience, yeah. right? Like I went through this and so you must've had the same experience, but mm-hmm. you know, I think sometimes it can be invalidating because even if there's like sure. a two year gap between you Mm -hmm. that your sibling can have such a different experience. Um, also because they're a different person with different, uh, relationships Mm -hmm. with your parents. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that, uh, you know, I'll find that with clients too, sometimes is that they're the difference in their experience with their siblings Mm -hmm. can be a bit invalidating to them. So the fact that in therapy, they're able to say, this was my experience and it can be validated that this specifically was my experience. And this is what it felt like for me. Yeah, well, I it's think that's whole, so important. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. This is what it's so funny. There's four people on a podcast. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you um, go. No, you go. <laughs> well, so this whole idea of the car accident, which is if there's four of us in this right now on this podcast, if we are the four of us, we're all in a car accident. We get in a car accident, but the damage to Jen in the front seat versus the damage to Sarah in the back seat is very different. So in the back seat, you might say, wow dad did such a good job of avoiding me from that car accident. And then the sibling on the other side's like covered in blood. Like he did what? Like, what do you mean? Dad me drove me right into the car accident. And so our injuries are totally. That's not a good driver. (laughs) But to the one, to the one. Really hard car ride. (laughs) (laughs) This idea, right? Everyone was same, same accident, but we all had very different injuries and a very different experience of what went down. Yeah. No, go ahead, Sarah. No. Yeah. I mean, I think Allie and I talk about it all the time that like, we can only really do this work because we've done it personally and it's a work in progress, right? Like I'm still doing this work. 
many, many years into it. And I come from, I am one of three, but I had, you know, divorced parents. So how my, you know, younger brother experienced my father was very different than how my older brother experienced or how I did. So I think what you said earlier is so important that, you know, everybody's needs are also so different and needs change as we get older. So, right. So it's like constantly checking in with ourselves to see, you know, are we, are we getting triggered in a different way? Like, let's say we've done the work and now, you know, you're 10 years in and you're like, oh wait, all of a sudden I have a new trigger. Like that's okay too, right? It doesn't mean that you, um, something wasn't correct in the process. It just means that there's another need that you've identified as you continue to change. And it's so, it's so interesting. And I don't know if you guys have this experience, like when Emily and I talk to each other about <laughs> things that trigger us, like, we'll be like, listen, this is really upsetting me, but I know I'm being triggered about this, this, and this, like our conversations <laughs> are so therapeutic and annoying with each other. Because we're so, when you're a therapist, you know, you're so, it's so important for you to do the work so that you can be there for your clients. But then you have, end up having conversations with other therapists that are like, mm-hmm. I know this is where my trigger is coming from. And this is what's coming. So much self-awareness. So much. It's so before this podcast, Allie literally texted me and I was like spoken like a therapist. Like she was like, she like basically did some self-talk for me. It was so helpful. Um I I also think it's an important point. You know, I, I love that analogy of the car crash as graphic as that was. Uh, <laughs> but um I it's really important to understand that perhaps. Um, your parents might have been triggered when they were trying to support you. And so that is why siblings might have a completely different experience of their parent, because perhaps your temperament, and this is no one's fault, it's just life, maybe your temperament and your parents' generational history and their temperament, there was some sort of mismatch. And so maybe there were things that you needed that activated your parents' old stuff. And Mm. so this goes back generations and generations and it's no one's fault. And that's why I want to acknowledge actually that all of the, anyone who's tuning into this topic right now and anyone who submitted questions, like how incredibly brave are you that you're willing to take a look at this stuff? Because this is exactly how we, we interrupt the generational cycles. This is exactly how we say we bring awareness and consciousness to the things that happened when we were kids that are now bleeding into our adulthood. And we can set, we can actually move towards changing that. So, um, so really important point about how different members of the family, um, have different experiences growing up. Absolutely. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. 
Prose is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil, keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. And I know that you had mentioned grief in this, in doing some of this work. Um, and so how do you, this is was another question that I think is really important. What are some ways that you cope with those unmet expectations of those who were supposed to parent or of not getting the things that you needed when you were growing up? How do you cope with that? Um, it's a really good question. I think the one thing we say and to repeat after us, this is not my fault. There was nothing that I did wrong. I am not broken. I did what I needed to do in as a child to adapt to the environment around me. So that's really important to know and to feel. Um, and that, you know, we're not able to get to give to others what we can't give to ourselves. Right. So it's really important to as Ali mentioned, like it's so even listening to this or starting to look at the work and starting to think about it is that first step in, in coping is first identifying what it is that you are trying to feel and then moving on to the process, right? Like sitting, sometimes the hardest thing is sitting with those uncomfortable feelings in that raw space and then figuring out the next steps. But a lot of it is about 
positive self-talk. And I, I say that and I'm like, it's easier said than done. It is not right. It's like, it's, it's practice to create those mantras. And I think an important mantra is that it is not my fault. I am not broken, but I'm doing what I need to do to heal in the way that I feel I need to heal. Almost like having, having like a goodwill hunting moment with yourself. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Right. Right. Like that is I, that having that experience with Robin Williams in that room saying it is not your fault. And he said it so many times. I mean, truly having a goodwill, you can say a goodwill hunting experience with yourself. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I think like we say it to people all the time and I can say it until I'm blue in the face, but until you can say it to yourself, that's powerful but you can, listening and hearing are really different, right? So like being able to listen to yourself, but then really hear what you're saying and then feel it is what's going to move you to that next step. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, so this was a, I thought a really good question and something, you know, that I think might be really important. How do you go about reparenting yourself while your parents still parent you? Um, this one uh, really struck a chord with me because I imagine that it might've been asked by someone who's still living with their parents, maybe a teenager, young adult, um, or someone who just, you know, their, their parent is still kind of trying to teach and shape and mold. And those are all good things, right? Like we want to have a parent for life. That's the, the whole point of it, but, um, it's, it's really challenging. So before we even go into it, just, I, I mean, I'm sending so much love to whoever sent in this question and whoever um, resonated with this question. Um, I know that I, I work on this all the time. Um, and so I think the most important thing here is try to recognize your parents' limitations and don't try and change them. Reparenting work is not about changing your parents. It's about changing the way you respond to yourself. And so that understanding that key feature, you're not going to change your parents. You're not going to make them do the work. You're probably not going to inspire them to like go to therapy if they're really against therapy, right? Like if you have a parent that avoids feelings and, you know, they're 50, 60 years old, I'm not saying they might never go and and change that, but this whole work is not about getting them to be different. And so recognizing that these are two separate things um, can help separate you from your parents. So your mom's emotional needs and wants and expectations, they're not yours. They don't belong to you. They're not your responsibility. You can care about your mother's feelings without absorbing them, without taking responsibility for fixing them. Um, You are only in charge of yourself. And so I think reminding yourself of that often, um, saying to yourself, I'm not responsible for my parents' needs. I'm not responsible for my parents' feelings. And literally visualizing a separation um, and understanding like this is the present day and maybe they had expectations of you earlier on, but if you're old enough to be listening to this, you're certainly old enough to start helping yourself give you what you need. And, and that's incredibly powerful in fighting codependent patterns and things like that. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's, 
it's funny because when you, and when, if you're, if you're lucky enough that your parents are still alive or they're still in your life, um, and you're an adult that, um, having conversations with your parents, those are the times that can be the most triggering because those that's where all of this started. Right. And so if there's, if you're having a conversation with your parents and you're, you might be feeling those triggers come up that much more intensely. Um, but Allie, I think you're speaking to it beautifully that the control that you have or the work that you do is about you and what's coming up for you and not necessarily changing your parents, but totally get that when you talk to your parents and they're doing the same thing that maybe is very triggering to you, that, that, that is just going to keep coming up with a vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, okay. And so, you know, we kind of talked about how to switch those negative patterns of self-talk. Can you speak a little bit to making that transition from going to patterns of negative self-talk to creating more of a nurturing internal dialogue? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, negative self-talk, unfortunately, is so normal, right? Like we all feel it and it, it comes up every now and then. And we wish if there was like one thing that we could say that that would make everyone's negative self-talk go away forever. I mean, it would be amazing. Um, but unfortunately, you know, it takes time and patience to, to adapt, to change that conversation and that language in your head, right? So giving yourself first the grace and the patience that you're doing the best you can by even starting to think about it, you're putting in the work and you're giving that to yourself, right? So how to like, it's constantly about relearning things, right? To make change happen, we first have to accept how they are now. Like, where are we now? Um, and where do we want to be? So by gently starting to do things like, right, we want to say in a, when you're in a calm state, not when you're in like a triggered state, because in a triggered state, you know, no one's ever been able to calm down when someone's like, calm down. So in when you're in your own calm state saying like, I, my feelings make sense. I'm allowed to feel the way that I feel. I can cope with this feeling. I am powerful. I am in control. I don't have to make this feeling go away. But most importantly is that this is a temporary feeling. It is not permanent. And I can get through it because I've been through it before. This is sometimes it's an old feeling, right? Like something old that comes up. So saying those kind of mantras to yourself, um, you know, I like to do like five minutes of gratitude. So in the morning saying to yourself, like either a mantra of like, you know, today is going to be maybe a better day. Let's say the day before was hard. Today is going to be a better day today. I am going to intentionally, you know, do X, Y, and Z, whatever it is for you and however that looks. It's important that the mantra is unique to you, right? You're only, it's only going to work if you can create the language that works for you. Um, and then to give yourself like the physical space. So that's when like grounding is really helpful um, to connect with where you are in that moment. So doing like five, four, three, two, one, or using the color game, or we're, you know, putting ice in your hands to physically feel where you are can be really helpful. Absolutely. I love what you said too. You know, we've talked on the podcast before about like toxic positivity, right? And that um, that ends up like invalidating our own experience. And I love what you said about saying to yourself, 
listen, your feelings are valid. You are allowed to feel this way. And then being able to work through it and know that it's just a temporary emotion. Um, And I think sometimes because we're getting these like quick messages on social media, Mm -hmm. we miss the part of like validating the fact that your experience is real and you are having difficult emotions and, and then you work through it to a different, uh, kind of take yourself to a different point or let yourself feel it to get through it, almost nurturing yourself through the emotion. Um, and sometimes I think that we miss that piece of it of like validating. And so I love that, that you said that, um, and spoke to that a little bit. Well, and I think um, it ends and flows. Oh, sorry. No, ebbs and flows. Yes. Well, it's this great point about the idea of like, you know, you talked about social media, social trauma is huge on social media, right? You can have childhood emotional wounds. That's not trauma. These two things are not the same, but because trauma is used in an overarching sense, we sit here and think to myself, well, my childhood wasn't traumatic. You could have unmet needs in childhood that left some emotional issues that isn't like this horribly traumatic thing that occurred right like we have to look at our experiences and like really stop the comparison with it I'd like to find a single person who doesn't have some sort of emotional wound from childhood yeah please absolutely it's a robot (laughs) it it have to be a robot I always say that because also I think I think a lot of people come into therapy expecting to get to the point where they like are just happy all the time that like, that's the, they're going to get to this point where they're like, I'm be happy and I'm never going to have anxiety and never going to feel sad. And I'm like, listen, you're a human being. You Mm -hmm. have had difficult, you have had unmet needs. We are going to work through that. But the goal is not to reach this like state of happiness that is never going to leave you. That happiness is also just an emotion. And, you know, that I think the only people that can experience a level of happiness that never leaves or have no unmet needs during childhood are robots. So if we had a penny about that, every time somebody said, who every time somebody went to our dms and said how do i not be anxious we could afford to do this podcast but the reality (laughs) is is you will always have some type of anxiety you will always have sadness you will always have grief the point of therapy is to not never have these it's how to figure out the best way specifically for you to cope and handle and not let them control you and i think I think that should be our answer from now on. We say you have to turn into a robot. And so maybe one day with technology, the way technology is turning these days, you never know, right? Um. The first time that I um, pursued therapy, I um, I really honest to God believed, okay, I'm going to go in maybe like six weeks. I'm going to get some tools. And then the way I feel my best all the time, like I'm a pretty happy person, generally speaking, but I have terrible anxiety. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm surprised the therapist didn't like laugh at me. I mean, it was ridiculous. (laughs) So give me some coping skills and then I'll leave. Um, I'll be on my way. I'll never feel anxious again. And here I am. Years later, I'm still going to therapy. (laughs) Right, right. And you know, we hear that all the time, you know, where, and that's, that's the hope. And I wish so badly that that's how therapy, therapy worked, Mm -hmm. that you could come in, we'll give you a few tools, you'll leave and like, you'll be happy for the rest of your life. Like that would be incredible. Even if people come in one session. Um, But unfortunately, that's not how it works, that it's so much more of a process. Um, And And 
so I love that you were mentioning that, that you end, ended up going in and saying that to the therapist. So what a kind therapist that sounds like very affirming, able to say, listen, I know that's something that you're thinking, but that's not what's going to happen here. Um, <laughs> um, so next question, um, which I think is very interesting. I just came to the conclusion not to make decisions to appease my parents. First of all, congratulations to this person, mm-hmm. but still find it hard to make decisions for me with without pleasing them in mind. You rework making decisions for yourself. Um, Okay, so this is a great question, um, especially coming from a recovering people pleaser. Um, It is really, really hard to change the pattern of pleasing others, especially your parents. And this is a perfect example of something that was probably deeply ingrained in you um, for many, many, many years. So um, change takes time. So this is not this is not going like you're not going to magically stop wanting to please your parents. Um, it's okay. You should expect that you're going to feel pushback from yourself when you kind of set a limit. Um, I think that what can be really helpful here is engaging in some sort of reflection, maybe journaling. If journaling feels like absolutely not, think of it as just answering some questions for yourself. But um, questions like, what is important to you, not your parents, to you? So we want to identify what your values are, because right now, the only thing that is dictating what you're doing is external approval. And so we have no idea what matters to you. We have to figure that out. And that's the first step in being able to stop pleasing all of the time. Um, So what are your hopes for yourself? Again, not what your parents hope or wish for you. What do you hope and wish for yourself? Um, These types of questions are like guiding lights in learning about your own wants and needs. And again, it might be really hard to even identify what those are if you've never actually thought about that. And that's okay. Go slow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's just like all of this is such an important topic because I think once again, everyone can connect to this in a, in a lot of different ways and helping people to really, um, reflect. I also think this is a really good one mentioning parentification. How do you navigate a relationship with a parent when it feels like you're the parent or the grown up, and they disappoint you? Uh, it's such a good question. And something that, um, comes up a lot in our own work for ourselves personally. Um, I think that it's so important to set boundaries, right? Like to, to, understand that you can't change who, you know, once in therapy, someone wants to believe that you can't change who your parents are, but you can change the way that you experience them, right? So like setting those boundaries and understanding, like accepting the circumstances and the limitations doesn't mean that you condone that that's the way it is. Um, And this could be really hard, but it's like anything like we tell kids, right? Kids really respond to setting boundaries and limitations. And that's what you have to do as an adult. And consistency is key. Like it can feel really hard and, um, you know, you could feel guilty. Like I had to set limits around phone calls because I was, you know, getting so many phone calls and setting a limit with a parent for my own self-care was so important. Um, But I, it's seeing that consistency is what's going to help. 
Um, and again, knowing that they are who they are, as we talked about earlier, um, your parents do the best they can with who they are um, and what they learned. And it's just about your experience. And if this is your feeling, it's okay that you feel it. So allow yourself that space. And just like everything we've been saying, it, this takes time and to be patient and kind with yourself that this is not linear work, right? It's gonna ebb and flow. It's really hard um, and it could be challenging at times. And it might be something that in your work with a therapist comes up and then you move to a different topic and it comes up again. And that's okay. It's just giving yourself space to allow it to live in that air around you and knowing that it's there when you need to go to it to figure out what your needs are and and what you want like what is the what is the path you want to take I think is really important and absolutely just as a, a quick you can feel disappointed by your parents and still love them the two are not mm-hmm. mutually exclusive yes yes and I you know like and I know we've been talking a lot about that just like the um, conflict that we feel sometimes of, mm-hmm. oh, you know, if I betray my parent, um, you know, am I allowed to talk about this? And that that both things can exist at the same time. And so our final question, which I think is a great one to end on is, how do you know when it's safe to do this inner child work? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I think that that's why we feel really strongly that, um, you know, therapy is really helpful as therapists, our job is to not solve the puzzle for our clients, right? It's to help through a different lens, see all the pieces so that you can put it together at the pace that works for you. So figuring out like, you know, gently notice what's coming up for you. Um, Notice that if you're getting in a fight, it might not be with your parents. Maybe you're getting in fights with a partner or a friend, or you're getting irritated with things like thinking about that trigger, like what might be coming up for you then? Is there something that resonates with you from that conversation or that crucial conversation you're having with a coworker or a friend, whatever, that then says to you, okay, what am I noticing? And maybe this is something that I can talk about in a, in a safe space, which for us, we, we feel is therapy. Wonderful. So First of all, you guys are incredible that we cannot thank you enough for all of this amazing information that you shared. Allie and Sarah, please tell everyone where they can find you. And we will also post this on our social media, but let everyone know where they can find you. Uh, Sure. So um, we are accepting new clients. So if you're interested in diving into some work like this, you can visit our website. Um, We see New York and New Jersey residents all um, virtually. So our website is uh, www.kindmindstherapynyc.com. And um, you can leave us a brief note and we'll get back to you. If you're interested in following our Instagram, it's at kindmindstherapy. Um, we post all kinds of helpful tips, thought-provoking quotes. Um, we give parenting advice, things like that. Um, so check us out there. We recently dove into the TikTok world. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> it's going to have to check that out. Yeah. Um, and then we're really excited in the coming year. We're hoping to offer some Um, workshop opportunities for those who maybe um, don't necessarily want to hop into therapy, but are interested in learning more about specific topics. So definitely 
look out for that. And um, thank you guys so much for having us. Thank you. thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate you so much. And if you're listening to this and you think it would be helpful for a friend, for a family member, send it on over. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love you and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.